Hello everyone, this is Akaimi McCoy and welcome to The Christian Therapist. I'm glad you're joining us today for our special guest and I want you to know that anything that we're going to be sharing on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to be a replacement for therapy with a licensed mental health professional. All right, sit back and enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome. I appreciate you for joining in on this week's podcast. And uh, yet again, I have another special guest, and her name is Gina Golden. Gina Golden is a licensed clinical social worker, professional development trainer. She is a certified life coach and an author. She received her bachelor's of social work from Temple University. Uh, I love Temple and her Master's of Social Work from Clark, Atlanta. Ms. Golden has a holistic therapy practice in Atlanta, Georgia, and embraces a mind, body, and soul-centered approach to healing. She uses cognitive behavioral therapy and solution-focused therapy to help clients defeat unhealthy thinking patterns and learn new behaviors in order to reach desired goals. Ms. Golden has 25 years of experience in mental health services, intellectual disabilities, bereavement and grief counseling, homeless services, DUI, clinical evaluations, and forensic social work. She not only offers traditional talk therapy, Ms. Golden also provides hypnotherapy, tapping, EFT, and neuro coach leadership training to help clients rewire their worried and anxious brain. Other adjunct modalities used include doula training, certification in Reiki and energy medicine, the use of mindfulness meditation, crystal work, and essential oils. Ms. Golden will soon be offering an ICF-approved life coaching training certificate to prospective life coaches starting in 2019. Gina Golden is affectionately called the inner coach because her mission is to help people eliminate their inner critic and embrace their inner coach for success. Thank you, Gina, for deciding to do this with me. I am so glad to have you on this podcast this week. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. And I appreciate you for being here very much so. So I'm going to go ahead and get started right away with, you know, these, these questions. And this topic is on hypnotherapy. And not many people know about hypnotherapy and not many people are clear about what it really is. So this is what we're going to be doing today, helping people get a better understanding of that. So could you start off by telling us what led, led you to hypnotherapy? Well, it was actually a few years ago. Well, several years ago. Um, I actually went to uh, Savannah, Georgia to go to a substance abuse uh, all day workshop or conference. And it was a weekend, actually. And I went with a colleague. And one of the breakout sessions was on hypnosis and working with substance abuse. And I'm like, what? What is this? And so I immediately, you know, wanted to hear her speak. And I was, I was completely sold at that point. I was amazed. I said, no, you know what? I got to do this. 
she spoke to me, you know, the way she broke down um, how things work in our brains and in our mind. I'm like, this is what I've always thought to be true anyway. And so the, the, you know, hypnosis just resonated with me in that way. So that was really how I, you know, uh, got interested in it. Wow. Okay. So tell me, has, how has learning about hypnotherapy affected your life, if it has, and your practice? And what was the deciding factor into using it in your actual practice? So it has affected my life in really great ways. So one of the uh, things that it has done for me is that I've used self-hypnosis for many years. Um, even before I even thought about, you know, being a hypnotherapist, I was using self-hypnosis and didn't really realize it initially. And then once I was trained, I started doing it properly. Um, and so I've used it in my own life to really deal with a problem that I had with swallowing pills. And for about 35 years, I could not swallow pills, any pill. And um, so I practiced self-hypnosis and now I can actually uh, swallow small to medium-sized pills. And that, after 35 years of not being able to swallow any kind of pill. Um, so in my personal life, it has impacted me in that way. I also use self-hypnosis to help me overcome test anxiety because I had test anxiety really bad as I was studying for my clinical exams. I just, I just was full of a whole lot of, you know, uh, inner critic stuff. And so I had to really do some self-hypnosis on myself. And just in general, I just thought that um, uh, hypnotherapy just really aligned with my core beliefs. It aligned with um, how I view the world how I understood um, the power that we have within. And just for me, it's a very spiritual experience. So that's how it's impacted me and my practice. Well, first off, when I heard you say test anxiety, <laughs> if I had a, a clue that there was something to hypnotherapy and helping that, yeah, I'd have jumped on that because I failed my license test the first time I took it. <laughs> And that probably would have been very beneficial to me. So that's amazing that how that can help. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that in a moment. Now, when I think of hypnotherapy, I am basically thinking about what I see on television, you know, as far as, you know, somebody dangling a, something in front of me and like, and then I could quack like a duck type stuff. <laughs> so I know that's not the true meaning of it. So can you tell us some, what are some of the myths associated with hypnotherapy and what are the actual facts? So I have five favorites that I hear quite often. One is that it's mind control. Uh, another myth is that you can get stuck in hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Another myth is, oh, I'm going to be made a fool of myself. I'm going to look, you know, weird doing all these wacky things. Um, the fourth one is, um, that hypnosis is a truth serum that I'm going to just, you know, reveal <laughs> all kinds of stuff that I don't want to. And the last one is most people say, you know, I, I just have too much control over, over my mind. I'm too strong willed. I, I, I just won't be able to be hypnotized. So those are, um, some of the ones I hear a lot. I hear several other, uh, several others, but I wrote these down because these are the ones that occur quite frequently. So I'm just going to speak to each one. Okay. Um, 
So it's mind control, that one. That's a myth because the truth of the matter is there's only one person that can control your mind, and that's you. Um, and so the hypnotherapist is not there to control your mind or control you in any kind of way. Um, and I like to also remind people that the word hypnotherapy, um, the end part therapy is key because that lets you know therapists are there to help you heal and to feel better and to stop suffering. Okay. So therapists would not want to um, control your mind in any kind of way. Um, so it, what it does is it helps you to enhance and control your own mind better. So hypnotherapy, so instead of me controlling your mind, I'm just helping you and teaching you how to tap into your own self so that you can control your mind at a higher level. Wow. Okay. Um, and can I get stuck in hypnosis? So that's another myth. <laughs> so <laughs> when we think about getting stuck, we'll think that, okay, one of the, the, the thoughts that people have is, well, what happens if the hypnotherapist, you know, falls out in session or has to run out of the office. Wow. Aaron <laughs> hypnosis, can I get stuck? Will I get stuck? And um, I like to say, no, you can't get stuck. Why? Because one, hypnosis is, a, is an altered state. It is a trance. It's a trance state. And our bodies, our minds as human beings, we're used to going into a trance every day anyway. Hmm. Don't call it that but we are entranced a lot we're entranced by the highway when we miss our exits we're entranced um by the road the sway and the curve of the road and we just kind of get into it we're entranced when we daydream and we're mm -hmm. you know, we can hear other people calling us but we can't just break that trance like state we're in so we're in trances all the time. And so just like you can't get stuck in a daydream, you can't get stuck in hypnosis. If anything, you may fall asleep and then wake up and say, oh, okay, you know, what happened? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So another myth is, will I be made a fool of myself? So I like to tell people that your ego is still intact when you're in hypnosis. So you're, you're, you still have something about you that, knows uh what you would and would not do so if you're not the type of person that would jump up and down and you know rip your clothes off and you know do something weird or act like a duck you know a lot of people, <laughs> right. um then then you're not gonna do that um so you are in a deeply hypnotic state but you haven't lost complete control of yourself okay so so yeah you, you Unless you choose to make a fool of yourself, you won't. If you want to, you will. The other myth is um, hypnosis is a truth serum. So, um, so even in hypnosis, you have a choice to share information or not to share. And though you're going to be very relaxed and very open and very much in touch with uh, your subconsciousness, you still have a choice. And you can say, well, I'm not ready to share this or not, right? Mm. So, and the last one is I'm too strong-willed. I'm too much in control of myself to be hypnotized. So um, the truth is, is that if you are willing and if you are motivated to be hypnotized, you can be hypnotized. So it doesn't matter how strong or weak or, 
you know, how in control you are or how much lack of control you are. If you say, you know what, I'm motivated, I really want to do it, I really want to experience this, then the likelihood of it happening is, 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 um, is great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that stuff because in reality, most people don't, they shy away from it. They don't even explore it because of a lot of those myths. And those are really common. I hear that type of stuff a lot. And then I think like some of those movies give you the impression that that's what it is when it really isn't. So thank you for, you know, clearing that type of thing up. So Jaina, tell me, how do your clients respond to hypnosis? So um, my clients respond pretty well because they already know that about me. When they're researching uh, and looking for a therapist, they know that I identify myself as the hypnotherapist. So they already kind of have that in the back of their mind or even in the forefront of their mind, depending on what they are seeking. And so um, most of my clients, they already have a willingness to change and they already want to use something different a little further, a little deeper than talk therapy. So when they're coming, they're not, they're not um, feeling weird about it or they're not afraid of it. They're, they're wanting to explore it a little more. Now that doesn't mean that they're not, that they don't have questions. It doesn't mean that they won't have concerns and it doesn't even mean that they won't have some of the myths and the misconceptions that we talked about. It just means that they're at a level where they're more open to, to explore the possibility of doing it. So once they're here and they want to explore it further, I provide them with further education about the process. Okay. And I don't ever immediately go right into hypnosis. I establish a rapport and a relationship with them, um, sometimes several weeks or several sessions in before we even attempt to do such an intimate um, process together. Okay, that's, that's really good to hear. What population do you believe responds well to the use of hypnosis and treatment? So there's some research out there that says um, about two to 5% don't respond well to hypnosis. Um, however, 25% of the people can go into a light trance. And 45% of the people can go into like a medium trance. And then another 25% go into a deep trance. So as you can see, there's a very small percentage of people who are just not responsive. And oftentimes that, be, that, that is because of either their unwillingness, mm. that, um, maybe someone told them to come and they don't really want to come. Maybe a wife said, hey, you need to quit smoking and go, to see, go see this lady. <laughs> right, right. They're not really, it's not really um, something that they really wanted to do. And then sometimes intellectually or cognit cognitively, there could be, you know, a reason why some people don't respond um, well. And I would wonder, too, if there is some people that might have some kind of issue surrounding it, you know, with like part of your myths where you somebody's messing with my mind or I'm opening up myself to something, you know, so I so guess those myths would be there, too. 
right they wouldn't they probably would be in the two to five percent right um, and sometimes they can even be uh transformed because once we educate them and we have you know extensive conversations and i pull out my graphs and my you know my images to help them kind of understand it and break down the science behind it some people go from oh no i can never do this to yeah i think i want to do this so right People can change. And, and another myth that I didn't mention is, um, uh, and this is a pretty touchy subject, but sometimes depending on people's religion, they may have um, pre preconceived notions about it. So um, I've heard anything from it's devil work mm. to negative, um, it's not of Jesus, um, it can harm me in some spiritual way. And so I like to dialogue with people like that because I've, I've even spoken at churches and people have come up to me and said that to me. And um, it, I was prepared. Like at first, I, if I had gone and not known that that's what people would say, I would have been, I would have been really deterred, but I was prepared to have that conversation. And, um, and I've invited people to try it and to their um, amazement, they're like, wow, okay, it's totally different than what I thought and actually feel good and they typically don't even want to get up off the couch they just kind of <laughs> <laughs> on with the process <laughs> but what I what I'm learning as I am servicing my clients is that these different methods outside of talk therapy are not asking people to invoke a spirit to come into them you know, so it's, that's, that's like a myth that needs to be debunked because you're not saying I'm going to have you invoke the spirit to come into you. That has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> so we definitely need to continually educate. And I'm glad that you, I mean, I know you would do that anyway, but educating people when they have questions, because that is, it's just a lack of education about that topic. So that's why even on this podcast, I want people to understand that this has nothing to do with that. We're not invoking spirits. We're not, you know, trying to possess your body or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so can you um, speak about the types of mental health disorders that would lead to you suggesting hypnotherapists to clients, even if you do, I don't even know if you ever suggested to those who don't, who didn't originally come to you for hypnotherapy. There are some people that come specifically for, for hypnotherapy. Right. And some people who come knowing that I provide hypnotherapy, but they almost want to just have that as a resource and, and they never use it. And so they, so they all tell me, well, I know you're a hypnotherapist. So it's like, I have this little thing in my back, back pocket, just in case I need it. I know that you can provide it. So there's those clients that do that. And then there are those clients that say, I don't, I totally don't want to do that. I just liked everything else you talked about, but I don't want to do that. So that's, that's fine. So um, then there are clients, the ones that come specifically for hypnotherapy, those are the ones that will come for um, maybe smoking cessation or weight loss or um, sleeping, you know, insomnia problems. Mm. Um, I've had people um, bring their adolescents for um, sports performance. I've had 
um, professional and um, um, and amateur um, boxers and basketball players um, to help with uh, sports performance, feeling like they're not in their flow, in their flow state. So I, I've helped them with that. Childbirth um, hypnosis. So although I don't do childbirth hypnosis per se, but with my pregnant clients, we will do several sessions leading up to um, the birth of their children to help them learn how to do self-hypnosis when, when they're in labor and they can kind of help themselves in that way. And, um, and then it's, hypnosis um, is very effective with people with digestive problems, mm. um, like bowel syndromes and things like that, um, as well as anxiety, depression, and trauma. Wow. And and lastly, test anxiety. So those are the things that um, clients typically um, I work with on. That is really good to know because I think um, when we were talking, when I was, you know, thinking about doing this in the first place, I was mostly focusing on the the mental health aspect of it. And it's nice that you just clarified all these other areas, you know, because even still people will probably be thinking you're a therapist, so it's mental health disorders, but you just debunked that one too, <laughs> you know? So it's all of these things are so good to know and good for our listeners to, to be able to hear. So Gina, when it comes to the service you provide in the mental health arena, what are ways you believe you are contributing to the community? So I believe that I'm contributing to the community by offering a holistic approach. And uh, clients oftentimes need more than just the focus on the mental space. Sometimes they need a recognition that their body, their soul slash spirit, and their emotions are all important to them. And so to, to provide that holistic perspective, I believe it, it's extremely helpful to the community you know, in which I serve. Also, I would suggest that um, accepting health insurance um, is something, is, is, is another contribution to the community. I didn't always do that, but I decided to do it and accept insurance because I was getting a lot of calls about my services and I had to turn a lot of people away. And I decided to get on panels to help, you know, my community. Also, um, just being centrally located, I think, is um, helpful to the community where they can find me and, um, and get the services they, that they need. Um, offering online telecounseling is another um, way to kind of um, get rid of any barriers to services that people might experience and offering a sliding scale for some people. Um, so that would be my local client community. Um, that is how I support the community. But in terms of um, community of mental health or people that are hypnotherapists, you know, I participate in groups um, with other professionals. I train um, up other professionals. I help train pre-licensed professionals and um and i collaborate with other hypnotherapists as well that is awesome i love that but 
I believe that there is one more that you didn't mention since I do know you is you offer for interns. You, you, you had interns before as well, haven't you? Well, now what I'm doing is, um, I'm working in to help develop pre-licensed professionals. Oh, okay. See, that's great. That's I want to give them opportunity to, to strengthen themselves clinically and be in a private practice. And quite frankly, just not a whole lot of private practices that are doing that. And people need that experience. That is great. I am so thankful for your contribution to our community, especially the mental health professionals, as well as those needing our services. That's great. So next to the last question, <laughs> being a licensed therapist and, a trained, and trained in hypnotherapy, what advice do you have for other mental health professionals in relation to offering clients more than just talk therapy alone? I think that we should all try to add more tools to our healing kit, to our healing toolbox. And, um, and so we should stretch ourselves to find other healing modalities to help our clients, um, such as um, EFT or tapping or EMDR or um, therapeutic yoga, you know, something that stretches us and to take us outside of our own personal comfort zone. And, um, and I think we become better people when we do it as well. Um, because some clients, some people just need more. Some people need more than just talking. Some people are very body oriented people. Some people are more spiritually oriented people. You know, some people are more mentally focused people. So the more tools we have and the more expansive we can be, the better we can serve our clients. That's great. Now for our listeners, if you can just briefly let them know um, what that, what ta um, tapping is and what EMDR is, you know, something brief enough for them to know what we're referring to. Okay. So I, I don't do EMDR, um, but EMDR is a, uh, uh, it's a uh, trauma processing um, uh, technique that helps people to um, heal and manage their trauma symptoms through like eye movement. Uh, it's a, a highly skilled training for therapists. And so for your listeners who may have trauma, you might wanna look up a therapist that has that type of training, EMDR. Um, and in terms of tapping or um, emotional freedom uh, technique, that is a system of uh, using our own hands and fingers to tap into the various energy meridians that flow through our body and help to um, reprogram and um, reprogram our minds through a process of tapping, which alleviates the um, stress response in our body. Um, it helps to deactivate the sympathetic nervous system and it helps to activate the parasympathetic nervous system to help you feel more relaxed, more calm, to be able to think clearly, reduce pain, sleep better, and you know, it has a host of um, benefits. Um, so. And you do offer the tapping? 
I do. Okay, that's good to know. That's good for the listeners to know. So Gina, what advice would you want to share with those struggling with symptoms related to trauma, pain, anxiety, et cetera? What are some of the things that you would want to share with them? Um, I would say if you are a person experiencing those things that one, I think you should probably, you know, seek help, seek help from a qualified um, and trained therapist that, that specializes in one of those areas. There are so many mental health professionals out there now that specialize in so many areas. So you might want to do a basic Google search or go on therapy for black girls or psychology today and just look someone up, find out what they do. Uh, see that therapist um, on different platforms, maybe listen to their podcast, like Akaimi's uh, podcast. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, read her blog, you know, go to her website. So you might want to do multiple ways of researching someone because that helps to build a relationship. You feel like you know their personality, you you like their vibe and their energy, you like what information they're imparting. And 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 find out if they if they work with your pain, your type of pain, your challenge, your difficulty. Um See if you can get a phone consultation if possible. Some people offer free phone consultations. Some people offer free office consultations. But find out because that would be a way for you to ask questions and find out more about how they can help you with your very specific needs because everybody's needs are very different and unique. So, um, yeah, that's what I would suggest. How can people connect with you? Like, and, and if there's anything that you have going on that you might want to um, let your listeners know, be it professionals or clients. So how can they connect with you? So I think the best way to connect with me is uh, through my website, which is www.innercoachhypnotherapy.com. So it's pretty long www.innercoachhypnotherapy.com. Another way is through my office number, which is 877-430-3828. I'm also on Twitter, at innercoachatl. So what I would like to also add is that um, I do have um, a few other therapists on board with us. And, and so if you find that you cannot schedule with me, you can also schedule with some of my other therapists. And one of them also being a hypnotherapist, I'm really proud to say that. And so she offers, you know, she's younger, you know, she's more hip and, you know, maybe people will want to work with her. Um, so I have, you know, three other women and um, we kind of deal with a wide scope of, of issues. And so they can always, you know, reach out to them as well on our website. Well, I am so thankful to and appreciative of having you on as my guest. I thank you for taking the time out to do this, you know, giving me your time. I appreciate it very much. So, and I am hoping that people will have gained some serious educational information today um, that will be useful to them in helping, you know, 
a holistic approach to helping themselves. Thank you, Gina, for doing this. And is there any one thing that you would want our listeners to know um, before we stop? <laughs> um, I would like them to know that, um, that their mind and their brain is a powerful organ, is a powerful, um, it's a powerful mechanism um, that they can use to elevate their lives any way that they want. Um, they just have to learn how to do it. Well, thank you, thank you. And we will be talking soon and I appreciate you again. Thank you, see you soon. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed this episode and our guest, Gina Golden. Please make sure to share this episode and rate us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let your friends know about this episode. Give us some feedback on what you got out of it. And if you'd like to connect with the host, Akaimi McCoy, feel free to connect with her on social media, Twitter, at Akaimi Listens. You can also connect with her on her website at www.life-counseling-transitions.com. Until next time, come on back for the next episode.